All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, Angie Machado here with you today. And for the first time maybe ever in the podcast history, two podcasts in one week. That's crazy. That is crazy talk. I can't believe we're doing it, but you know what? Forget it. This is a pretty big time in Oregon State football and just the direction they're going to be in, they're going to be going in. Corey Hall taking over, Gary Anderson out. Um, It's been a couple days since we did the emergency pod. And I think because it caught so many people off guard... Based on what you said or what you what you've read, what you've thought, what you've kind of heard, your feelings on Gary Anderson a couple days removed from the original story. You know, I there was a story that kind of that came out in local media yesterday, and I was kind of shocked by that. I mean, I know Gary is a stand-up guy, left that twelve million dollars on the table. I don't know why he would give permission for those texts to be printed. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, because that almost makes him look. Like a bad guy now. He he could have walked out and been like, stand up, dude. And now it it kind of looks poor, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's the funny thing about that is um, I go against that columnist on radio. And, you know, he's been in the market a long time for the Oregonian. When I read that, I had two, I just had two conclusions. I, I just thought you don't trust either one of them. No, um, no. I don't I don't know the story. You and I talked off air about whether he really did get permission to release those text messages. If Gary Anderson allowed those texts to be released, that might be one of the more idiotic uh, professional decisions I've ever seen in my life. Because if I'm a university and I still think Gary Anderson has something left as a head coach and I say, you know what, I'll take a chance and, and we have better facilities or whatnot, I'm not touching him. You completely threw everything about the program under the bus. You threw the athletic department under the bus. You threw the 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 boosters and the financial backing under the bus. You threw the assistants under the bus. The, the assistants that you hired. Yes, the ones you brought in. And it was funny because he was almost trying to take accountability in those texts while also blaming other people for them not winning. It like, I hired them. It's my fault. They're terrible. terrible. They're garbage. <laughs> it was just like... All right, I don't really understand this. So from his perspective, it made no sense. It still makes no sense. And I would never hire Gary Anderson ever as a head coach and, if I was running Brandon, a program. And as a media person? Okay, we, you and I get texts or phone calls and we, we are privy to some different information. Would you ever have done... I mean, in my opinion, that columnist just ruined... Tr- I mean, if I am the Blazers with the yeah. Blazers, if I'm Willie Taggart or any of those coaches, mm-hmm. I am not texting him. I wouldn't do anything in writing. Email, text. No writing. Nothing. I'm not even sure I'm talking to him off the record. Exactly, because you don't know what's going to happen. I was talking to Mike Parker earlier, and he said that he saw Ken Go, longtime Oregonian writer, at practice, and they brought up that that article. And I guess the explanation that Go went with was that, well, you know, journalists are trained to basically assume everything's on the record unless set off, and... Coaches should know that. And I, I immediately just chuckle and I go, okay, I see where you're coming from. I respect can go an awful lot. He's been really great to me. But I think that's complete BS. There is no way in my my experience and my relationships in this industry, and I think you could speak to this as well. I text, I've texted coaches, I've texted athletes, and we've texted some serious stuff. Or I've gotten like real opinions on things from an individuals. I've never once said oh, I'm going to tweet what this guy said, or oh, oh I'm going to turn this into a story. That's a journalistic line that even myself who didn't study journalism, I never would have crossed it. Never. 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 And that, somebody said, why would he do this? What's the end game? It's clicks. It's, it's a clicks. clicks game. It is. It is. It's, it's 
Like you're, you're in the clicks insta- business. Inst- I'm in the clicks business. That's instant gratification, though, yes. and that's going to kill him in the long run. Well, and and good luck with that. Yeah, there's a he does this every year. He did this last year. But look at we're talking about it. That's what he I wants. know. I yeah, but I don't know how you don't because yeah, the text message is involved. Yeah, I mean it was pretty brutal. Nobody and, else is publishing text messages like that. No. And so I think that's that's why you talk about it. Um, I, I guess I'm not too surprised either, though, that his attitude had kind of gotten that way. Uh, I think even people watching a press conference online, you could kind of sense this was a dairy, different Gary Anderson than we had seen. You know, the first two years, it was very upbeat. It was no excuses. Um, let's stay locked in, focused. We want to build something special here. To downright depressed, confused, lost is how I would describe Gary Anderson this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he expected this season. I don't think he uh, expected that, you know, I think in his opinion, his assistants quit on him or, or didn't give all that they could in his opinion. Um, I, I think that's kind of, and I think it did, it drug on him. I mean, he, he looked pretty tired. I mean, I was talking to someone earlier today about Coach, with Coach, about Coach Riley there in Nebraska and just talking about how he starts looking so tired middle of the season we saw it at Oregon State and we're seeing I mean, Gary Anderson looked tired yeah well I saw it last year when I went to Nebraska for the uh, Nebraska Oregon game he was walking on the field and at that moment like that was a huge win Oregon was a top 25 program and walking off you think he would be going nuts man he, he was rubbing his eyes he looked like he had stayed up every night till like 4 a.m. and that's just part of the profession it right? is I mean but you can tell the guys who get their sleep because they know how how prepared they need to be and they are versus the guys who are working way overtime because they're not sure they are prepared the right way. Yeah. I think there's a difference there. There is a difference. And we saw that with Gary Anderson. And it, it has been a couple of days. It's allowed people to kind of sit on it and wonder what all this really means. Kyle Whittingham had some pretty eye-opening comments. Did you hear these? I did the, not, no. So they do these Pac-12 coaches call every week on Tuesday where all the coaches will call in to the back 12 number and reporters all call in and everybody from all kinds of areas in the country can ask him questions. And Whittingham was asked about this, who was a really good friend of Gary Anderson's. And they said, Hey, are you surprised? And he basically said, well, you know, Gary and I stay in touch like a lot, <laughs> a lot. And he goes, I'm not surprised. And that that was a little eye opening to me because I think it just speaks to one the Barnes comment mm-hmm. on clearly they had multiple conversations about this leading into it, and two he clearly told somebody like Kyle Whittingham, I think I'm done here. So, and it goes back to what you had said, what you had heard down at USC. Yes, yes, so. the USC coaches knowing about it as uh, as well. I just I think it disappoints me. It disappoints me the way it ended because if you get fired. Whatever. If you leave after this year, I guess whatever. It's three years in. You don't think it's going anywhere. I'm just disappointed that it got to a point where he quit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I've, I've seen other people try to speculate health. I've heard he has this. I've heard he has that. Until we actually know that, I'm going off what I know. What yeah. I know is he quit. And Scott Barnes said no health issues were involved. Yes, that too. He, yeah, Barnes had that comment. But... I know on Beaver Blitz, everybody's tired of talking about Gary Anderson. Already? Yeah, they're done. They're like, move forward, let's go. I guess I guess more of the Blitz community, though, is uh, those conversations are a lot longer than lot probably longer. our podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about Corey Hall and, and the coaches. So, you know, practice now has been going on. Um, Coach Clune, today was defensive coaches. Coach Clune kept getting asked, and he laughed, and he was like, I'm not talking about Gary or how that went down. We're talking football. But, he refused to talk about it, yeah, huh? He said, I, I haven't had time to formulate my thoughts, and I probably won't until after Civil War or after the season. Very so, interesting, because I, I, 
Good for him. He yeah, could have come out after that text and I, uh, article. And, I, and you know, Coach Clune is pretty much off the cuff all the time. Yes. I mean, he, and I thought he might, and he kind of chuckled about it a little bit. And then he was like, nope, I'm you know, kind of like, I'm not going there. I'm just going to. So um, no bulletin board material, no, nothing to get the team riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is just hearing practice. Um, you know, Amy Schwartz, our, our beat writer, has been down there every day. And I've, I've spoke to several people that are connected to the program. And they're saying there's a good vibe right now that, you know, that the guys are having fun. They're, there's some physicality. They're yelling. They're, they're hyped up. And, you know, guys that maybe were on the scout team are getting a shot, um, getting, you know, at least some looks. Everything's kind of wide open right now. And it's more of a relaxed, fun atmosphere is what I've heard. Well, and that's, that's funny. Cause I talked to, uh, I was talking to Mike Parker today and he, he kind of said the same and he didn't, he didn't want to he want people to take this the wrong way, but he said it reminded him a little bit of watching like Erickson practices because he's been there for so long that, you know, he's there at the end of the first Riley and then he was there for Erickson and then there for Riley's second. It reminded him of Erickson practices, the energy that they had. They weren't playing music. They had come in and the attitude and the yelling and the, the camaraderie involved with a sport like football, it, it was just there. Was there. And he said it was the first time he had seen it all year. Now, does that translate into a win? I don't know, but I will say, having been at the USC game and being somebody that wanted to come on the pod this week before the Gary Anderson news and be more positive, mm-hmm. I think if they play the way they played against SC, it's not a given, but I think you've got a great shot to beat Colorado. Colorado's reeling. They've lost three straight games. And and now the Beavers have faced these three really hard teams to come against a team that is you know more manageable. They, they need to get the offense figured out, but... I agree. I, I the defense is you know has has had some glimmers, mm-hmm. and the offense actually didn't you know completely kill themselves. They they didn't move the ball great, but they they were able to move it somewhat. Um, you never you can never underestimate to what some different motivation does. Yes, the, absolutely. I mean to anybody, but especially these these kids. I mean, I remember hearing stories about when Dennis Erickson came into into Corvallis and you know him walking into that first meeting and basically saying we're going to compete for championships and guys are in the auditorium laughing and he's like if you're laughing out I don't want you part of this but look at what happened how he was able just to flip that mindset and get these guys believing so if, if these kids can believe that they have a shot a lot can happen well and and the other part too of of what you do and what they're going to do with Corey Hall at the helm now I, I think if you watch the tape um, Arizona's quarterback last week was Khalil Tate who came in for Brandon Dawkins he, he, he rushed for 327 yards. Now, I'm not saying that Garrettson's going to do that, but I think the recipe's pretty written. When you're playing Colorado, run the ball. And, you know, that goes back to what they were doing last year, what we thought they wanted to continue to do. You can't throw the ball very well. That's been well documented. Villeman's got a case of the drops. No other receivers have really stepped up that well. Run the ball. I this mean, is yeah, a weekend have, with Nall have, to run the ball. Hopefully, you know, if Nall's healthy. Yeah, he's questionable he's right questionable, now. He's questionable, but um, you still have Art Pierce, Travoris Johnson. Yes, and uh, Tyner. Thomas Tyner. Yeah. So, and I actually liked what I saw from Tyner at USC. He's just that big, strong, fast running back. And Well, and Norris has a lot of that same too, where Norris is kind of, it feels like he's the kid that you'd send through the line versus Tyner, you stretch out like he did at Oregon. yeah. yeah. And let him try to expose his speed. I didn't read the pra- the um, injury report. Is Pierce on it? Do you do you recall that? I don't because he was the one that was down at SC, right? It wasn't he down, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe because I know the Washington game he got hurt. Yeah, he did get and hurt. he came out. And then I think at the SC game there was a play there where he either returned it or he ran it, 
And but I thought he came back in. He might have come back in. But I, we'll we'll keep going, and I'll, I'll look while we're talking. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, but I think you still have three guys not counting Null, and if you get Null, that's even better. So for me, I think it's pretty simple. It's cut and dry. What you do against Colorado is you run the ball. And you're right, Angie. I think people on any in any walk of life, whether you played sports at a kid age, a teenage age, or semi-pro or pro, everybody's had at least one moment where motivation has played a factor it's, in a game. It, it's huge. So I, I, I just want to see how they're going to respond so this So I weekend. just pulled up the injury report, and Art Pierce is not on Okay, so that's report. great news. So that's good news. So you don't have Art Pierce on so it. So you do have um, out Xavier Crawford, mm-hmm. Jaden Grant, Austin Hudson, Drew Kell, Jake Luton, Jeff, or Zach Standish, Shamaya Unutoa-Whitson, and Dwayne Williams. So nothing new there. Questionable, Jay Irvine, Gus Lavaca, and Ryan Nall. And then probable, Brandon Arnold, Seth Collins, Timmy Hernandez, and Paisa Savea. Yeah. Although Brandon Arnold... Finished practice today with a interception. So I think he's good to go. And I also liked um, going off what we saw from the USC game. I liked what I saw from Collins. It felt like they tried to get him the ball. They did. It was a concerted I, effort. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I and that's, you know, I, I know I've been super critical of the offensive play calling and the offensive scheme, but I, it did feel that McGiven was trying to mix stuff up there. They had Collins in motion several times, mm-hmm. and they were trying some different things. It wasn't, you know, same old, same old. Yeah, and, and look, th- those coaches have taken an absolute beating on websites like yours mm-hmm. and through social media. I thought that was McGiven's best coached game. I did too. I, I, did I really too. did. It felt like it was a mix of what I saw last year of let's run the ball, let's establish the line of scrimmage, and they did that several mm-hmm. times against that USC defensive front. And then they would occasionally throw in a pass, but look, they're limited in the pass game. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I agree with you completely. And I, I have been super critical, and I, I don't know if it was enough. I mean, well, now it's not, but I did, at the time, I didn't know if it was enough to save his job. Yeah, but I liked the fact that they were still clawing and, and trying to, to trying to do something. You know, I, I don't know if we have revisionist history, Angie. Why do you think we we haven't seen the same Daryl Garrettson we saw against Minnesota last year, who felt like we could trust to throw the ball? He just looks like he he's never. Played the position sometimes. I I go right back to offensive line. The offensive line has not played well, mm-hmm. and so you know when that blocking up front isn't there, leaves you skittish. It leaves you skittish. Yeah, yeah, that's the difficult thing um, with where their offense is and where it's going to be. So you you buying into what you're hearing right now? I you know is that going to be a win? I I had to go on the record um, with Adam Munson Tiger who runs Buff Stampede. And I, we do a Ask the Expert feature, so he answers some questions for me. I answer for him. But we both have to give give our, our prediction. And I, I said closer. I said 27-24. I think the Beavers lose, but I do think it's closer, and I think it's a, it's a game. I think Beaver fans. And, and I've seen a lot of people, and it, it, I, th- I think this is where Beaver Nation steps up because, you know, they were all unhappy with what they were seeing. The university and Coach Anderson are doing something about that. And really, it comes down to the guys, mm-hmm. you know, showing up for those players and, and supporting them. I'll go on a limb, and I will, I'll will i predict an Oregon State win. Okay. Uh, I think okay. if there's a team you were going to beat in this big stretch... Oh, this was it, definitely. I think this is it. I mean, at this point, based on what we knew, going in four weeks ago, Colorado was a loss. Yeah. But what we've seen the last three and a half weeks is Colorado is very vulnerable on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, a little inconsistent offensively, and, you know, I know they haven't and been... And that's Oregon State's strength right now. It's yeah, running, so. and I know they haven't been close... Losses, Angie, but I really think there's something to take away from the USC game and a little bit to take away from the first half of UW. And if you can just harness what that was, I do think you're going to have a good ch- a good chance to win this game. And plus, I can just, in my head, I can envision the fireworks shooting, 
uh, Reese are not full, but pretty loud just because of the people that decided to show up and say, screw this, let's just cheer the team on. And I, I could see them fourth quarter in a game and they get a big play and boom, we're seeing them on the sidelines celebrate. Yeah. Corey Hall's on the cover of newspapers everywhere. <laughs> no, you know? exactly. You know, I mean, that's it's that Rudy story. You we've know, seen that, that song and dance. It. We've seen it. We've it's very seen Oregon it. State. It is. Um, so if we like their chances to compete and we're hearing good things from practice, what is the move going forward for the program? Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, we kind of, you said you talked about it in your radio show today and. I mean, I've seen national columns say Oregon State needs to go to the option, you know, and and I've seen people, is Corey Hall going to be, you know, what do you think? I mean, if Corey Hall can somehow rattle off a couple wins, is he a serious contender? I, I or do think, you just go clean slate altogether? Well, I think there's a little bit of danger in the let's carry off the momentum factor. Um, we saw this happen in West Virginia when Rich Rod left. We saw it happen in Miami. Mm-hmm. We saw it happen in Oregon. And... I just, I get worried. Oh, and we're seeing it at LSU. I just get worried that, yeah, maybe they, they win a game and they're close in the rest of their ball games. It's hard to invest fully in that. Yeah, yeah. What kind of recruiter is Corey Hall? You'd know that better than anybody. Um, what's the coaching staff going to look well, like? So that's the biggest question I have with a lot of like the guys that have never been a head coach is what kind of staff will they put together? Yes. I'm, o- I'm open-minded and I'm open to the fact of giving an interview. And if he blows you away, then pff, who am I to stop you? I trust Scott Barnes. But I, I would like them to go a more of established route. Um, I'm still not very familiar with Corey Hall. Some of the names have been thrown out there. I just kind of agree with. Yeah. I like the young route, though. I do, too. More than the too. older route. Do you, I don't do you need take a coordinator? Like, like one name that I love right now, just because I'm, I'm, we have a big hot board on Beaver Blitz that we're putting you know, potential candidates Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Um, is the OC at Oklahoma State. What is his name again? Um. Yursich. Yursich. That's Yursich. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, look at their I offense. I mean, look at their offense. And, you know, this is somebody that Mike Gundy, who is, you know, he's thrown the mullet. Gut, you know, yeah. <laughs> the mullet. Do do they need to go hire the option? The triple option to me is not realistic. No. Do they need to hire something unique Gimmicky? and different? No, but I want an identity. I want that coach to come in and say, this is what we're going to do. And we're not going to stop doing it. And we're not going, yeah. yeah. I mean, Riley was that way with Pro Style. He was. He lived and died by the Pro Style. Gary came in and said he was going to be an option, kind of a, a run-pass option guy, and then really divert it. And I and think that was one of the biggest. And then a run guy. Yeah, and then, then a run guy, and then it was a Yeah, a, a little air raid-ish air raid. run um, thing, yeah. The gimmicky ones, I guess, kind of have a... A place. I mean, you know, when Chip Kelly came into Oregon, that was pretty gimmicky. His his fast up tempo, um, zone read offense. It, it was really a, a form of the option. So, but it makes them a little harder to defend because yes. teams aren't seeing them day in and day out. I just I, I just want that. I don't care what really they run. I being that I was at Oregon State during the Pettibone days, I kind of start getting you know shivers when I think of the little PTSD. The, I, I do. You know, it's like <laughs> oh no, the Shanklin Shuffle. No, but um. You know, I know it can be run. I know it can, you know, yeah. Paul Johnson runs it beautifully. He you does. Know? So does Nia Matalolo yeah. at Navy. Yeah, and, and that's that, a name that, that keeps popping up. And... Do you buy that? Because I don't. No, I don't. Why I, would he turn down his alma mater I know. For why Oregon would he State? turn down? He's a he's a devout Mormon. Why would you turn down BYU, his alma mater, and his affiliated church I mean, program to come to Oregon State? The one thing we know, though, is that we get Polynesian players here. Well, yeah. I mean, that, it is closer. It's closer to home. It's or to Hawaii and you know, the Polys would love it. Um, I think he, the integrity factor would, st- you know, would be there. And, and the ac- But recruiting to an academy is so different than recruiting. Yes, in the Pac-12. In the Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, I love everything I hear about him. I, I don't know why his name keeps popping up to the top. 
Um, well, maybe there's a Barnes connection yeah, maybe, maybe, that I we're mean, missing, and listeners can help with that. But, but um, no, I mean, I think he would be good. I, like I said, I, Alex Grinch popped up, you know, as, as somebody to think about. And Yeah, the know, Grinch ones, I mean, I get it. He's really young. Well, he's done a heck of a he's job with Washington State's job. defense. But the one thing that leaves me hesitant on it is we just went through the defensive coach thing. And I'm not saying that he would be as inconsistent or um, non-patient, impatient, I should say, excuse me, uh, as Gary. But I like the idea of going offensive-minded. I, I just, that's, I like that idea. Blitz, so that's on Beaver Bless. That's all everybody's talking about. Yeah. I mean, then there's Bo Baldwin, the OC now. I mean, he was somebody that Blitzers and Beaver fans were looking at before Gary came on board. We thought that was like the prime yeah, candidate. That, you know, and I, Taylor Barton, who knows Northwest football, I mean, he loves that. You know, he, he tweeted me today and said, you know, Bo Baldwin's your guy. That's, that's the, that's that's you the thing, go. yeah. Um, he, he has head coaching experience. He, um, What I don't know about is, you know, who what kind of staff he'd bring in. So, Yeah, the connections thing is, always, you know, I did my dream pie-in-the-sky scenario, yeah, so Baldwin, was, and okay. Baldwin's the OC slash coach, and then you bring in Keith Hayward yep, as yep. the DC. It's so funny. People keep talking, Keith Hayward to DC. I mean, I love it. I mean, I had a Duck fan who I actually, I know him, but he's one of those pie in the sky and the Ducks are great. And then when they suck, it's like, oh, I hate the Ducks. You know what I mean? But um, Like every Duck fan? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had tweeted that and he goes, not so certain that Hayward leaves for the D.C. at Oregon State. Don't forget his wife's an Oregon grad. And I go, one, he still has got a house in Corvallis. And two, dude bleeds black and orange. Yeah. If you offered a D.C. gig and he's stuck at Oregon as a DB's coach. Safety's coach. He's not even DB. Safety's they have a, yeah. coach. I can't help but think he is for sure gone. That's, yeah. a, that's a step up. It yeah. is. And it's his alma mater. Yes, exactly. That means something to yeah. people. That's a special place. But... We don't know if whoever it is would even give him a look. I mean, so that's we today. It was it was actually fun. So we have Raju Woodward and Peter Osborne, two writers on our site, and they like to do this thing called SmackDown, and they take it's like you know Brandon versus Angie. Okay, and it's fun to read, right? So it's they they go through like twelve different coaches, and then they have their their dream scenario. Uh huh. And Raju's pick is you bring back Dennis Erickson. Oh no! On a short term, with like Jonathan Smith as a coach in waiting, and Keith Hayward as the dc <laughs> um first reaction would be what's the booze incentive in that contract because <laughs> i'm a little worried we don't have enough of that but i actually you know what i have to read this text i got from a beaver fan okay it is it is that funny is it in regards to erickson it is i like that air it is funny when uh some of these local these northwest jobs pop up People do tend to go with like the same names. The same names. Riley, Erickson, Chip Kelly. Like So um, this was the text. It's kind of a joke. Scott Barnes. Here's Dennis Erickson. Hey, Scott, I'm interested in coming back. Scott says, okay, Dennis, you can interview for the job. Dennis, I'm flying in tomorrow and I'll meet you at the Royal Pacific Lounge at noon. <laughs> Scott's like, Dennis, the Royal Pacific Lounge is no longer in business. Dennis, click. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think people that followed Oregon State at that point uh, all kind of understand where we're going yeah, with that. Yeah. But like, I mean, I like the creativity thought. It's just go uh, young. And, and Peter, and Peter, you know, he played at Willamette. Yes, he's for Coach Hawkins, and he's like, bring Dan Hawkins in. Why does he want Dan Hawkins? He just loved him as a. Co- I mean, these are these are their pie in the sky. Okay, they're, they're other their list of twelve. Or I think all due respect, I think I'm good off Dan Hawkins. I think I've seen that song <laughs> and dance. You've before. seen that. You've seen that dance. But I do like the idea of them going young, offensive minded, mm-hmm. and. What I want is what Willie Taggart did. I don't know who it is. Go get a recruiting-oriented yes. staff. So here's here's the other name that I'm really intrigued with. So um, Yurchich at Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and then head coach at 
uh, UTSA, and it's Wilson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. So he'd been, like, recruiting court. He came. He was actually head coach uh, down at the at O'Perry Walker uh-huh. in New Orleans. He was Dennis Christopher's head coach, uh, fam- or former linebacker at Oregon State. And uh, then he's moved up through the ranks, was at Tennessee, was at um, Ole Miss, was at uh, LSU, was been recruiting coordinators at all those stops. Yeah. And now he's head coach at UTSA. I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to any of this. I mean, I think be as open minded as you can. Is it important for you that they go alma mater or ties? No, no, not at all. I don't think I I, I think there's some something to be said for that, especially at Oregon State. Um, I'd like the person to know and understand Corvallis before taking the job. Exactly. And that's where I think. You know, you, you get a former, you know, like a Keith Hayward or an mm-hmm. Inoki Brechterfield or somebody that knows the program, knows what it's Trent like to Bray. play there. Trent Bray. Yeah. Another one. Um, that know what the program's like and know what Corvallis is like and can recruit for that. Yes. If be good recruiters. Um, and that just helps kind of build that foundation, right? I mean, there's that. <clears throat> but I don't know if I like the idea of like a Jonathan Smith coming back as the head coach. I'm, you know what's funny about that? I'm 100% with you. What? We agree? Yeah, oh we do agree on this because Smith, may maybe he ends up being a great coach. I do know having family ties to UW, those fans aren't really big Jonathan Smith no. fans of the offense. Give them credit. They're, they're one of the more efficient run uh, teams in the country. There's something about the personality. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's gotten... I was on Mike Parker's show yesterday and I the same kind of thing. I just... I said I'm... And and he's a hero. I mean, it'd be hard to you know he, come back. He's a legend, at Oregon State. Why try to tarnish yes. that? But I think a head coach, and maybe, and I know he's very cerebral. I know he knows offenses. But a head coach really needs to be the face of the program and be able to, you know, deal with the booster side of things, deal with you know, all the political type stuff going on, and be the face of that program. And he just seems more quiet, more. Reserved. Do you think, okay, and I'm with you. Um, I've tried to interview him several times since he got to UW, and we couldn't, we can't get an interview. Like, he just, they don't talk so to So, today, media um, our partner with 24 7 Sports got a quick interview with Jonathan Smith asking him about really? the Oregon State job. And it's a little awkward. First, they were asking him about his thoughts on Gary Anderson. He said, I don't know Gary. I'm paraphrasing here. You know, he's like, I've met him a couple times, and I know people that know him, and are, he's highly respected. Then somebody said, well, did you hear about, you know, what are your thoughts about Oregon State? And, you know, that they were holding funds back or, and he's like, I really don't know. So he basically just avoided the question. And then somebody said, so you know your name keeps popping up in association with this job. What are your thoughts? Are you flattered? He goes, yeah, I'm flattered. You know, it's my alma mater. Uh, But right now I'm focused on, you know, kind of, I mean, he really uncomfortable, kind of just like. Do you think there's a part um, to go against what you and I kind of agree on? Is there a part of him that may be a little Chris Peterson-ish? Because Chris Peterson's not very outgoing and savvy with the media. He avoids interviews. He's kind of quiet, kept to himself. I wonder how much of Jonathan Smith is like that from Chris Peterson. Yeah, I mean, he could be. You know, where you say, oh, he doesn't have the personality. I bet Boise State fan thought that about Peterson. Yeah, but Chris Peterson's come a long way. I mean, I see him in press conference now, and he's on social media. Yeah. he's He mainly just tweets woof. Woof, yeah. (laughs) Because they're getting Wolf. recruits. Um, oh, I think we're in agreement on, on Jonathan Smith. And uh, I also think going to non-coordinator candidates, mm-hmm. you know, I, I tweeted out an article. So, yeah, would you, would you take a non... I mean, that's... So somebody had brought up Keith Hayward. And, and we're not trying to make this the Keith Hayward show, but somebody brought him up as the head coach. No. And I'm, no. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, let him get a coordinator job. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the next logical step for him. 
and then a couple years in that, and I don't know, maybe something goes on at, at that point. But what I was going to say is, like, I, I also like the idea of going after a non-Power 5 successful coach. coach. Um, Jason Candle is a guy I just mm-hmm. read about from the All-American. That was a really good write-up. He has no connections to the West Coast that I know of or could tell in that article. Mm-hmm. But he's good at uh, Toledo, I think, is okay. where he's the head coach. Something like that yeah. is kind of right in the wheelhouse More of what like I Mike, think Mike Norvell. Looking at. He's doing great at Memphis. That's true. Yeah, Norvell could be and another have one. West Coast ties. Um, when we talked about the coach, the uh, coaching staff future and what offense they run mm-hmm. and what's important, I had a listener. Give me your two cents on this. We had a listener text in, longtime Beaver fan here. It's not necessarily even just wins. I want to be able to really enjoy watching my team play. I want them to be fun. And the listener then chimed in also and said, of course I want them to be a bowl team and whatnot, but Oregon State just wasn't fun. No, They weren't fun to watch. Uh, two, two and a half of Gary, yeah, yeah, mainly the whole time Anderson was here. They just weren't a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. So this listener just posed the, the scenario of just be entertaining. And I found that a very interesting yeah, answer because there's a part of me that totally understands and relates No, and, and I've it. heard that too from other people. You know, just, I, I always say I want them to be competitive, but if they're competitive and playing the way, the style that we just have been watching, it, it isn't fun. It is not fun to watch. No, no, it's not. Because you're relying on defense and... Although you know, I like myself a good defense. Yo, I do. Yeah, we like, obviously, but we don't have an offense where the quarterback is throwing. Yeah. And, do you think that the Pullman and Corvallis are the same, that you have to run a leech-type system to succeed, or do you think you can go a different way? I think you can go a different way. I mean, I'm frankly surprised that Leach can do as well as he can up in that climate with yeah. the air raid, honestly. I mean, Corvallis and, and Pullman are both in that cold, wet winters. They get more. They get more. Yeah, more I mean, cold. they're, yeah, they're, it, that surprises me that they're as successful as they've been with that kind of offense. But what he does is what we're asking for. He has a guy that came in three and nine, Mm -hmm. six and seven, three and nine, and then now has been nothing but a nine-win program. He stuck with it and said, dude, don't even care what these people think. I'm going to stick with what I know. And after year three, again, I want to point this out. Oh, yes, people were... Cougar fan was like, this isn't going to work. It's a gimmicky offense. It doesn't play here. Well, lo and behold, you're maybe the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, no, I mean, how how bizarre is that to say that Washington and Washington State might be the two best teams in the Pac-12? I, I mean, mean, I think they are. That's a flashback to the early 2000s I know. and I know. the late 90s. It really it's, is. It's crazy. The Apple Cup might dictate the uh, the future of the conference. Isn't that crazy? How much, uh, scale 1 to 10, do you trust Scott Barnes? You know, I don't know him well. That's the thing. But I think he, he's going to do okay. My biggest thing, and this has been something, and this is like totally changing gears a little bit, but this is what I want to see from him. So... On Blitz, there's been a talk, and we have several really knowledgeable people on the site that know what they're talking about. They like to go into detail, and it goes into what the percent of the budget that's going to football. Oregon State is last in the Pac-12, yet our budget, Oregon State's budget is bigger than several schools. They are spending the least amount on football. Do you think that that's a reason Anderson left? I don't know if that's the reason he left. A reason. A re- possibly. I mean, they need... And it's gonna it's going to tick off people in the Olympic sports and all the other sports, but they need a to completely focus on football, cut back to the minimum. Or you know, you got you have to you know fund the scholarships and such, but they need to invest in football. I guess that's the tough part though that they're stuck in, right? Do they go all in? 
And, and that's, I think there's athletic programs out there, Angie, that have had to make the difficult decision of no. And programs like Rutgers, who are in the Big Ten and people laugh at, they've gone all in. Yeah. They've said, screw it. We're going in on football. There's money to be made. We're going to try to be a prominent, respectful program. And even though it hasn't led to much, they've at least made the concerted effort financially. And Oregon State, as you're pointing out, hasn't done that. But you got to you got to worry about the the backlash and the ripple effect by all that. Mm-hmm. Is Oregon State have what it takes? Let's say they scale it back to what you're saying. Do they have what it takes to compete and make that worth it? They do, and that's you know Scott Barnes has already they've been doing um, feasibility studies for you know like the stadium expansion and what that's going to look like. I there's lots you know there's lots to this whole piece, but. Right now, Oregon State also is getting more money from the university than most programs are, the subsidy. They need to win to rely less on the university. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where trusting Scott Barnes, I right now I'm kind of in a wait-and-see mode, but I do think, I mean, this is the first time now that Oregon State has been away from that whole Mitch Barnhart, Bob DeCarolis, Todd Stansbury, we're all on that same tree and so now you're broke completely free of that. It's a whole new a whole new administration now. You also wonder too what Barnes is thinking where I mean imagine I convince you to leave Beaver Blitz and come join me at a different website mm-hmm. and then I leave. Yeah. And now you're like, "Oh my god." Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> now. I mean that's part of the reason he cried at his press conference. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm looking here. So this is, here's the we have a whole graph in the Logit Blitz, and my shameless plug here is: we are offering a buy one month, get one month free right now. It's a great through deal. Friday. Um, believe me, this search is going to go on most likely for a couple months. You're going to oh, yeah. want to be in Beaver Blitz. Um, I've been t- on the phone all day talking. I'd to I'd imagine they want to try to get somebody in before the recruiting ends. Yeah, right? definitely. But a lot of these coaches aren't going to want to want to say publicly that they're the guy. Yeah. Before their season, you still got over. a half season to go. So USC is spending on average thirty million dollars a year in football. And it goes all the way down to Oregon State spending an average of $15 million. So they double this up. Uh-huh. And then everybody's in between that? In between. Okay. So Washington State, spend, Washington State and Colorado are both at the mean is $17 million. Uh, Utah's next at 20 Arizona, 20 point, or 20, not, 21, basically. Stanford, yeah. 21. Cal, 21.9. Oregon, 22. UCLA, 26. ASU, 27. UW, 30. Thirty million four hundred seventy-three thousand, and USC is thirty million eight hundred eighty thousand. So you you basically, I mean, putting it as bluntly as I can, they have to crap or get off the pot. They've got to figure no, out what exactly, they want. Exactly. Do you want to be a serious contender and try to fight in this conference for football, or do you want to just sit back, be resigned to the fact you're not going to ever be, ever be that yeah. great, and continue to support everything else the yeah. way that you have? And that's you know they're spreading their wealth. They're spreading it out way too thin instead of focusing on football. Well, football, I mean, look, nothing else, even baseball. I bet baseball comes pretty close. Baseball pretty much breaks even. Basketball breaks even. Yeah. Um, Sometimes basketball can lose Yeah. based on, you know, just how good or bad the team is. But But football's that one engine that drives your entire department. They make the money. And if you're good, if Oregon State's an 8-9 win program or better, we've been to Reeser when it's packed. We've seen old Parker Stadium. I mean, can I... Back in 2000, when the when uh, Truex Center was built, that was built over the. I mean, that money was raised in about a week long span. Really, one week. One week, um, and they raised. I believe. Were you it part was, of that? When I you had were still just there? come on board, but that was all Bob Westland, who was at the time the major gift fundraiser. He called uh-huh. ten families, 
and raise the $10 million or, you know, $10, $11 million, whatever that they Sheesh. needed in a week. Unreal. That's what happens when you're winning. Do they still have, um, are those same connections still there? Not to say those families are like bandwagon fans, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those families are. You can still call time, them and. Um, long time, big time beaver, beaver Gosh. families. No, that's okay. But, um, uh, you sitting here with a busy phone. Um, yeah, that's that's what sucks. I just want them to get back to at least a respectable factor of winning and and putting hope in people and saying not only will we show up, but other people will say, "Oh, here's such my a, checkbook." Football, and I'm probably biased because I am biased. I will say that because football to to me is so important for the university because and and De Careless used to say this that football is and this was President Risser's stance was that football is your front porch for the entire university and kids or you know other students um you know high school kids they look at that university and that's it's a big selling point they might not be an athlete but they're a good student and if you have a crappy football team yeah. just, they think your whole university is kind of crappy you have a good football team i mean look at oregon with their you know you you go around oregon the state of oregon and kids want to go to oregon yeah not, be, not because they have the best whatever program they want to study it's because they're good in football. They're good in football. Yeah, that's a great point, and I don't remember DeCarlis saying that, but it is, it is. It is just like that. Think about every program that you know and that you followed in college mm-hmm. sports and ask yourself your opinion of the university. Based, it's just based on the football program. Based on football. Now, take away, obviously, the Yales, yeah. Harvards, yeah. Uh, even Stanford. Yeah. But Stanford's more sexy now because not only are you is it a great institution, but now you have a good football I team. I mean, I grew up, when I was, when I was in, I, I loved USC. And I, I grew up watching, you know, you see the cheerleaders and Traveler and they win yeah. and the, the tradition. See, I the, loved UW because my cousin UW, went there, U-Dub. but it was because their football yeah, team their was football always team so good. Was so good. And you saw, you'd watch on TV, you'd, Saturday morning, you'd watch the, the games and the stands sold out and you're like, I want to go there. That looks, they're winners, that, right? Yes. Um, so I USC knew nothing about or Nebraska. Colorado. Yes. I loved Colorado. Yes. And that was, you know, back in there. And, you know, I remember having a Colorado sweatshirt uh-huh. in, you know, back when the college sweatshirts were really cool. I know nothing about half the universities that are no. good, but no. I feel like I do based on the success. Oh, one That's of my, so my true. My son's football, he plays third, fourth grade football. And one of the players on their team, I mean, the family's from Roseburg, they're Duck fans. But he's he's like an Alabama fan. He's like, I love Alabama. And you're like, why? And he's like, because their football team's awesome. Man. So yeah, I mean, it's it's such an important part of the whole university, and that's why the money needs to be spent. Nobody, nobody's like, oh wow, Oregon State has an awesome swimming program. I, you know, I want to go there. No. Does the move push him to do, do this? Do you think him abruptly leaving, leaving twelve and a half million dollars? Does that university, Scott Barnes, right now sitting in his office talking to Ed Ray or talking to other people in the athletic department and donors and going, guys, we got to go in on this if we want this to be. At this level, we have to go in. Does this motivate him, you think, to be pushed to that point? It's now or never, in my opinion. Yeah. If he doesn't, Oregon State's going to just fall behind. So this is the most, okay, this, this is the most important hire then, you think? Yes. Of all time. I do too. All time. I think for sure I mean, sure I think Gary Anderson was was um, a big hire, but right now, just based on, you know, kind of the climate of college football, where the Pac-12 you know, the power shifts. We see the power shifts. I mean, Washington State's good now. Colorado was good last year, but they're kind of falling off. I mean, there's 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 movement. It's it's more um spread out. It's not just one powerhouse team. It's now or never. Yeah. And and Beaver fan, I'm gonna call you out a little bit too, because be a fan, right? I mean, this is it's now or never for you too. Yeah, right? it really is. Do you wanna um, go back to being a doormat for twenty eight straight years? 
or do you want, are you going to demand more from your program? I mean, don't be small time. Don't, oh, well, it's Oregon State. You know, no, this is time that Beaver fan needs to step up and be like, no, this is my program and we're going to be winners and demand that. Demand that from the AD, demand that from the president that you're tired of being the doormat. I know every year you're not every year you're going to be a contender, um, but you also don't have to be beholden. No to your circumstance. And so being in Corvallis, a town of 60,000 people at most, it leaves you thinking that, oh, well, you know, five wins, that's whatever. Whereas I think you look around the, the landscape in other small college towns that schools that are doing well at. Look at the entire like Midwest. It's all yeah. a bunch of small towns. Look at, look at Washington State. I mean, that's it's a smaller town. Pullman it's, is much It is smaller. in the middle of nowhere. They don't I mean, do well in recruiting, no. but he recruits to what he wants. He, and they're staying, I mean, they're, they have a crazy crowd. Coaching is everything. Coaching I, is. I really do think coaching, this is, this is why this is the big hire, biggest hire of all time. Uh, Riley being hired in the nineties. Well, you couldn't get any worse than Pettibone and well, they sucked. Then Erickson coming in, Riley got it up a little bit and everybody's like, Oh, is this going to keep going? Are we going to suck again? And in walks Dennis Erickson, and I was like, holy crap, that dude won two national championships, right? So that was a big hire, but the expectation necessarily wasn't there. And then Erickson wins, leaves, Riley comes back in, and you go, well, this dude won before here. He can do this again. And he did. He didn't quite get you to a Fiesta Bowl, but he played for Rose Bowls, yeah. got you to some good bowl games, had some good seasons. And then Anderson was just a surprise. And that's not the biggest to me because Riley had plateaued. Yeah. He was on the verge of losing it. And I think people were just like, let's just change it up. And then Anderson's gifted to you because he quits. Mm -hmm. I think this is the biggest hire because you are on the precipice of what are you going to be? Yeah. What are you as a program? What are you as an athletic department? And to me, it's it's bigger than just what are you as a football program or an athletic department. This is what are you, you know, Ed Ray, what are you as a university? You talk about, you know, when people come to research that they're going to be scared or when they... Okay, then let's see it. You know, that's that's my message. Well, I mean, and you say best college town. That's like the yeah. thing they use from because yeah. there was some blog posting. I loved it. I will never trade my time that I had there. They're not the best college town if you're not winning football games because <laughs> exactly. football Saturdays are depressing yeah. if your team sucks. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. No, half the students go to the games. The other half just drink and nobody follows the program. Whereas I was on campus when they won in 06. I was on campus when they won in 08. I was on campus in 09 when they were playing for a Rose Bowl. I will always remember how much better fall going in a winter and just the vibe of campus was when football teams are doing really well. When you're lined up yes. camping out for tickets and the football teams bring in donuts. And donuts by, are being yeah. passed out. And, and, it's, and it's that camaraderie. It, it brings the entire university together. Game day's there or you're watching game day and your 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 team's being featured on it like... All of that stuff is well, there, special. That's a whole nother bailiwick for the university as well. Look at when a team is doing well, the free advertising your university gets on game day, as they're being talked about in every other show and how they're fitting into the puzzle. When you're one in five and losing like crazy, nobody so, talks about you. Uh, you could actually use the university down south as the example here. I know for a fact, not only has their attendance skyrocketed since they started winning in football, Oregon specifically has attacked the state of California for non-athletes mm-hmm. in a way that um, Alex Crawford's little brother is going to Oregon because he wants to do track stuff. Mm-hmm. His dad is an OSU alum, and his family you know, obviously made the Giant Killer documentary. His dad went to like the, uh, what is that, orientation with parents, and they said it was unreal. 
everything was Oregon, California-centric. So the state of California pins were given out, but they were in green and yellow, and it spelled Oregon. Because they were like, oh, yeah. we're taking over California. And they've been able to up their attendance numbers, their tuition number. The attendance has gone through. People see a winning team, a fun, exciting team to watch on TV, more TV exposure. God, you're so right. It's such a front porch. If your football program's good, it leads to almost everything else being well funded. It, it helps. It helps the foundation raise money for it everything absolutely else. Absolutely does. Because because then alums are feeling good about the university, whether they like football or not. They're like, wow, my university's doing great stuff. Yeah, I want to hear about what's going on in food science or yeah. what's going on in in botany. And and yeah, I'm going to give you money because this is cool and this is exciting and it helps everything. It really does. I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go with it, though. But this, to me, this is this is Scott Barnes. I mean, I don't know enough about him to make an opinion. Yeah, I said I and trust so him, and I, I don't know what him. the trust is based I off. I trust him, but I want to see what he does. And if, if this hire's bad, if he bungle, bumbles this, fumbles this hire, I don't know. What is, um, what do you think, real quick, what's the best timeline you think recruiting-wise for a coach to come in and not only try to keep maybe some of the commits, but pick up? some extra recruits in a class in case the coach wants to do that. Yeah, so, and and to touch on that really quickly, I know I kind of mentioned it on Monday at the emergency pod, but yeah, we've touched base with all the commits. They they all say they're solid. Um, there's a couple that say have said no comment, but they were more, you know, recruited by Coach Anderson. Um, but the the core, the, the guys that, you, you know, the Spencer Petras, Isaac Hodgins, uh, Isaiah Smalls, all completely solid. They love Oregon State. They've already made their visit. Um, so there'll be no more official visits right now. Um, so this weekend's slate was clean. Um, not bringing guys in right now. Smart. You know, you don't want to bring guys in when the staff's kind of in, in shambles yeah, what are you and, selling? on the way out. That's so, hard. Um, timetable, they need, and they have a, a head start to be at least talking back channels with people. Um, I personally, it needs to be pretty close right after Civil War. Like early December. Early December. I think that's when Wilcox got hired at Cal, if I'm not mistaken, or it was January and Taggart was December. Yeah, one of the. It was because both, yeah. both of those came in real late for their classes. Yeah. For both universities. And, and you know, like Anderson, if you go back to that, you know, Riley left. It was early December. Anderson was hired like December 10th. It was like a six day. It that's was a right. Six day, yeah, because Riley left on my birthday on the fourth. Fourth. I was gonna say I thought it was, I was like happy 4th. birthday to me, yeah. Mike. Thanks. And then yeah, Anderson came like, like a week and a half later. Yeah. yeah. So um. As long and now there is that early signing period, so that's a little bit different. That'll shake things That'll up a little bit. That'll shake things up. Um, and guys were, are going to start getting poached. You know, I mean, they're the recruiters are going to be talking to guys saying, "Have you seen these texts? Have you seen?" But to get out in front of that, get yourself a good coach that's going. And if they're interviewing guys, they need to be asking, "Who are you bringing in? Yeah. What is your staff going to look like?" Yep. They need to. Fo- I mean, that's where Oregon was ingenious. Is you know, Taggart they made him basically say, "Who's your staff?" He hit home run. He and hit a, he hit a grand slam. They gave him slam. the budget to do that, right? Yeah, I and mean, they got they to pay Jim Levitt a million dollars. I mean, when you get to do that, look what happens. Yeah. Your defense goes from third to worst in the country to like top 40 in the country. It's yeah. Money changes everything, Angie. It really does. It does. Um, anything else you want to touch on in this pod? No, I mean, I. do you feel... Okay, I'll just ask you a question since you always ask questions. But do you feel like maybe things will turn around now? I mean, are you, are you feeling a little more optimistic, I guess? You know, I don't... I, this season, not so much. Um, but the trajectory. Yeah, I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to stay optimistic. I, I <laughs> it's hard sometimes not to be beaten down yeah. because you know you went to work. I go went to Oregon State. You're rounded, and like, I, mean, Stuart- I just feel super bad 
because like I've heard from several long time like donors that I knew. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you're sounding you you sound down. We listen to the podcast and you sound down. Really? Well, Stuart Stuart Mandel wrote an article, and I need to stop paying attention sometimes to the media types. But Stuart Mandel wrote an article was like, it's so hard to win in Corvallis that Gary Anderson said no thanks to twelve point five million to stop trying. And I'm just like. <laughs> God, dude, like, you don't got to phrase it like that. It's so cold. <laughs> I'm optimistic, though. Again, I'm putting my full trust in Scott Barnes. Um, he's got a lot of respect in mm-hmm. in the in the industry and around the country from different people. So I'm going to trust that he'll make the right decision. Uh, we all have our ideas of which direction's the right direction. But I guess going off what you were asking me originally, I have no choice but to be kind of optimistic and excited just because... You have to maybe look in the mirror now and go, what did we not do enough for him mm-hmm. that led him to quit? Yeah. And what can we do to change that? And I think if you get the right young hire in or any hire, things can go the other way. I, I just, I want to see a guy get in, stick to a system. Uh, have energy. Have energy. You know, as corny as it is, but PJ Fleck rowing the boat is something that clearly has bought in for Minnesota. And you don't have to be a gimmick like that. But something with that kind of energy and just somebody who's going to come in and say, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. I don't want to change that. We're not going to change that. Be firm in your in your convictions, and I'm all in. So even though they don't have the money financially, backing-wise, I think a move like this will push them. And I think they go in and they say, screw this. We have to be good in football. Yeah. Because we've seen it before. You can win there. Yes. Now, is it hard? Absolutely. Is, is it, it hard everywhere, though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at SC struggles. I the, mean, look at the North. The Pac-12 yeah. North is difficult. You have Stanford, Wazoo, Washington, Oregon. Four programs that they're not going anywhere. And don't mention, uh, don't forget Cal, who might have a hell of a staff in building yeah. something special and, themselves. And, uh, I mean, people that say, you know, it's hard in Corvallis. Well, I point, you know, they should have no problem at all recruiting to ASU. Well, they're not they struggle. world beaters. I mean, so, yeah. you know, it's it's hard everywhere in the Pac-12. It's it's not like this easy, there's not some easy formula. Did people really say on the pod you sound down? Yes. God. I know. I, I got a well, couple emails and people. The last couple. Can you blame us? Oh, I know. I know. But and th- and that's what these people were. Before you know, Anderson like, quit, were people down? Were those people oh, down? Yeah. Or? Yeah. They were like. Okay. But it kind of like made them feel like they were justified because I was down too. Real quick, we'll wrap the podcast up here. We get just over fifty minutes. Um, where do you think most fans are on that same question you asked me? Realistically, like just your gut. And I, I your think vibe. I think they're you know hope they're you know cautiously optimistic. And they, they want to see the president and Scott Barnes go all in yeah. in football. And so, um, you know, I, I know that Beaver fans are out there because I've seen our, our, our subscriptions are going like crazy right now. That's good. And that's awesome to see that you guys haven't lost the faith and you are interested enough to check in and, and see what's going on and what coaches potentially could be coming to Corvallis and join the discussion. There's some really good discussions. Like I said, talking right down to the dollar figures and... Um, some of our, our members are amazing at, at doing this research. Well, so. hey, I, I love the community that you guys have at Blitz. Um, and I, I did say this a couple of weeks ago. I didn't predict Gary Anderson would <laughs> walk away midseason, but I did say did. this you is a very did. interesting time you did. to be following the program. You did. There's a lot at stake here. The future yes. now is up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. Up in the air. All right, well. We'll be back next week, though. You got double podcasts. You get double podcasts this week. Yeah. Emergency pod after the Anderson quitting, and then um, this edition, the normal edition on a uh, a Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we get a win. It'd be nice to talk it about would be a win. So nice to talk about a win. Talk about the energy and what we liked from certain players. I'll be watching the game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you everybody for sticking with us. 
Beaverblitz.com is where you can find Angie, all her great work, the great community there. And you can listen to my show 12 to 3, Monday through Friday on 1080 The Fan. We'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of The Damn Podcast.